Happy Monday, everyone. Happy, Happy Monday. 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 <laughs> we have today one of my favorite people to follow on social media. Um, not only because he's my namesake, but I, I followed him because all he would post about at that time I started following him was sports, food, and he would just have pictures with beautiful women all the time. <laughs> so, Sounds like a dream. Um, without further ado, I want to introduce a sports writer based out of L.A., um, overall good dude, Arash Markazi. How are you? Thank you for having me. That Thank was a you great so introduction. <laughs> no, that's, that's literally, I saw this that's guy. That's true. I, I one time, I read, it was when you were working for ESPN, I read a column, and then I, I saw your name on there. I said, no way. <laughs> so then I did a quick Twitter search, followed you there, and then when Instagram came out, followed you there, and I, you know, it's just... He's trying to say he's your biggest fan. I love you know. that. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a definite groupie. I'm a groupie. Love it. Thank you so much. Arash has got to stick together. That's right. So, so Arash, um, you decided that our Monday news was going to be, again, another classy week. So we're going to stay away from <laughs> shots and tequila and all that stuff. We're going with red wine. That's right. I got the glass well, cheers. there. Cheers, so, you know, cheers. Cheers, everyone. All right. There we go. All right. So we're just going to jump right into it. Uh, tell us. Tell us about your journey into sports journalism. <laughs> tell us who you are. Who are yeah, you? Yeah, right. So, you know, I always, like, loved sports growing up as a kid. And I think, like, when you're younger, you, you don't really realize that you're not going to be as tall as your favorite players. Like, I never realized until I got a little bit older that I wasn't going to be the six foot nine point guard of the Lakers because, like, my dad's 5'3 and my mom's 4'11 or whatever. And so, like, I, I was going to be a short short so i knew um that i had to do something else in sports and i love to write and so I, I think it was in high school that i knew this is a career path that i wanted to take and so uh high school i kind of wrote for like the school paper uh went to the walter cronkite school of journalism at um, arizona state then transferred to usc and so like th this was like the career path that i wanted to take when i was younger probably around um high school Right. Oh, so you so you knew early on what you wanted yeah. to do. I feel like that's a blessing in disguise because there's so many people out there that just are lost and dazed and confused for years upon years of their lives. So I'm happy that you knew exactly what you wanted and you got exactly what you wanted. Yeah, you know, because when I talk to some of my students at USC, like I tell them, like, it's okay if you don't know what you wanted to do. Like I did when I was in high school, but like that doesn't mean that you have to know exactly what you want to do. I mean, hopefully you, you find out what you want to do during your time in high school, during your time in college. So again, like I'll have some students at USC, whether they're a junior or like even as seniors, I've talked to seniors who are not 100% sure what they want to do. And I always tell them that's okay. Like, well, would it be nice to know? Sure. But like, that doesn't mean that you can't find out one day during your senior year, this is what I want to do with right. my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like have an epiphany one day, I want to do this. Exactly. I mean, yeah. I feel like you can't ask an 18 year old, you know, whether it's a freshman in college or a senior in high school, <laughs> what do you want to do for the next 30 years of your life? Exactly. Yeah. It, it's, a, it's a tough question. Especially when they make you take general stuff for like the first two and you're like, why exactly. do I write all these essays about fiction? Like, tell me what <laughs> I want right. to do with my life. <laughs> so, so I want to ask a very Persian question here. There we go. Uh, when you told your parents um, you wanted to be a writer or a sports journalist or journalist in general, <laughs> um, because all Persian parents, what's, what Did is it going to be, guys? Down? Doctor, lawyer, right? Doctor, <laughs> lawyer. <laughs> all the way. Um, you know, so they were supportive. I think a lot of their friends were, were, were confused. They thought that was my hobby. And they're like, okay, so you, you, you like to write and watch sports. Like, that's okay. That, that's fine. But like, what are you going to really do for like work? Yeah, and so, on the, do that on the side. Yeah. On the side. Exactly. Get your degree and do it on the side. <laughs> exactly. 
So I'm glad that my parents were supportive. Um, but yeah, a lot of their friends. So it wasn't until like I graduated and started to work at some really cool places that, that they realized that was like an actual job. Because when I was in high school and certainly in college, they thought, okay, why are you going to school for that? Like you, that, <laughs> you don't have to go to school to watch sports and do like a report. So uh, again, glad my parents were supportive. I totally understood that their friends may not have been at the beginning, but then they grew to be. Right. <laughs> a moment like I know uh f for me there was like an aha moment but I mean there I'm still waiting for one where you're like damn I really made my parents proud like what was that do you remember if there was a specific moment when that happened you're like yeah I proved to them I can do this and this is real and now they're so proud of me when his first know, I, paycheck come yeah well, that, well, that was, after that, was that. <laughs> no but I think it was in college you know I was lucky enough to win a lot of scholarships like I won like the Jim Murray scholarship and that was like a big one for me because he was like my hero growing up and so like they had a really cool ceremony where like Joe Namath was there and I got wow. presented with the check and I got to be oh. up on stage and so it's like Did I try to kiss like anybody? at that point well he was drinking a lot thankfully he doesn't make me drink anymore but that was pre <laughs> that was pre him not drinking and so he he didn't do anything on stage thankfully but he was definitely <laughs> intoxicated I'll send Armagon and Matt to that video later exactly yeah <laughs> Yeah, send it. Okay. I also, while we're still on the career aspect of it, I want to get into, so what were, so I, I've heard you talk about um, being Iranian American in your field, uh, not only journalism, but sports journalism. But aside from that, do you, uh, what are some other struggles that you had to overcome throughout your career to get where you are now? Well, I think my name is a unique one. Mara, um, you can relate to this. I got, because I, I don't think that the intention was to stay in the country. You know, my parents came here for school, but with the intention of moving back. But then the re regime change happened and the hostage situation happened and they were decided to stay here. I've often wondered, I mean, they, they didn't know what I wanted to obviously be, but it, it has been hard being uh, doing TV and broadcasting as well, you know, because some people have suggested a name change and I would never do that because I am who I am. And so right. that has been hard, you know, because you'll, you just have to remind people how to pronounce your name. And so- Yeah, you, um, you and I know the struggle of, of being yeah. made fun of since you were a kid about our name. <laughs> exactly. So. And it's like, there's no hyphen in there. It's not a skin condition, please. It's, you know, oh it goes yeah. like, go, go together. So that was a struggle, but then you kind of, you know, hopefully when well, most people, they hear your name once or twice and they know how to pronounce it. But then, um, but yeah, listen, I mean, I, I have never played sports professionally or even collegiately. So I think there is that feeling of, okay, you're Persian with a weird name and your parents you know, are not from this country. Like, what do you know? Like, why should you be giving my information about football or hockey or whatever? And so yeah. that is a struggle that I have to deal with. I mean, or I, I did at the beginning, but then hopefully like over time, like they realize that you've, you know, it's not science, it's not rocket science. Like if I've watched sports for the majority of my life, I can report on it. Mm -hmm. uh, but that was a struggle at the beginning. Okay. So, so, so I want to ask you this. How, how was your first time on TV on ESPN? Were you, how nervous were you when you were actually <laughs> live? Not a phone call, not one of those phone yeah. interviews, but actual live, the makeup, the whole deal. 
Well, that was very hard, you know, because I was very shy and still kind of am, you know, I mean, I was the kid who didn't want to give a book report like in school. So like for now, like, so I didn't do any TV in college. I was a print journalism major. So I just wrote, like, I didn't do any TV. I didn't do college TV. So for me to kind of break into television on like the worldwide leader of sports, like I'm holding that um, ESPN microphone, I'm doing a talk back with SportsCenter. That was nerve wracking. And so I just had to imagine that no, no, nobody's watching. Like, even though I know that's obviously like not the case, <laughs> but that was definitely yeah. hard for me. <clears throat> Especially now with social media, I'm, I'm sure if, if you said something controversial, cool. it, would, it would have spread like wildfire on Instagram and Twitter and everything. Exactly. So that's why I'm very conscious of what I'm saying and not to have like a hot take that's not a hot take or, or you know, that's, yeah. that, that I'm going to get uh, some hot, hot takes are after, only for yeah. Twitter. Exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I commend you for that, though. Like I've seen even your interviews that you do virtually with like uh, L.A. News and all that stuff. Yeah. We do a podcast. No one's watching us live right now. And I still get the jitters <laughs> every time before we're about to start. So props to you and anyone else Thank on you. TV, especially reporting live on stuff. It's so difficult, <laughs> I'd you. assume. <laughs> All right. So I have another question. For people that want to get into this industry, it's obviously a very competitive industry, the media industry in general. So what is some advice that you would give to young people? Kind of think back. Uh, who were in your shoes when you were young and in college, what is some advice that you would give them? You know, because you always have a goal when you start this job. Like, you know, I, I, and I think that's important to have that goal. Like you want to cover the Yankees or the Dodgers or the Lakers or whatnot. But I think it's important when you, you start off to be like open to doing whatever they ask you to do. So like a lot of the beginning of my career, I covered um, high school sports, which is not fun. You know, it's Friday nights, you're keeping your own stats, you're trying to talk to high school players who are not comfortable talking to you. But um, again, it's it's one of those things, it's, it's like I was always open to covering sports. I didn't know too much about at the beginning of my career just because I wanted the opportunity. And mm -hmm. so I think if, if people know that, oh my God, like if I, if I just call him on a random Friday night to say if he could drive to a high school game, he's going to say yes. That helped me to get to where I got in my career. And I think at, at the beginning, you have to be open to that. So you're going to sacrifice a lot. There's going to be a lot of Friday nights because of high school football, for example, mm -hmm. Saturdays for college, Sundays for maybe pro football. But um, there's going to be a lot of moments that you sacrifice at the beginning, but hopefully it gets you to the point that you want to get to in your career where you're covering the teams that you want to cover. And, and high school football is big down in South, Southern California, no? Yeah. I mean, I, I think you would say the top three are probably Texas, uh, California, and Florida. So, yeah, I mean, it, again, it's, it's, it's high level high school football, but at the, at the end of the day, it's still high school football. Still so kids. Like, yeah, right? Eugene. yeah mm -hmm. exactly. How did you get your first job? The first job I'm trying to think, I mean, obviously it was at the, I mean, high school paper, then college paper. And then um, i trying to remember what, like, my first job job. I think it was at the Daily News in Los Angeles doing um, high school. Okay. Um, so I just covered high school. And again, like, they give you a sheet and they teach you how to keep stats. And it's hard because no one's there keeping stats. There's no, I mean, that's basically on you. Yeah. And so, um, and then this was sort of at the, I don't think they had, when I say they didn't have, the World Wide Web. I mean, they like we had to drive back to the office to write. No, so don't age like, yourself on oh I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you didn't take your little, uh, not little, but those big yellow notepads. I actually used one today. Oh, to I had those. Nostalgia. Oh, yeah. But definitely. You don't so, see so those now, th me. There's a lot of people who follow sports on Twitter, you know, what do they call it? The Monday morning quarterbacks or the, you know, the, the coaches who sit on the couch, whatever you want to call them. So now you are a journalist slash columnist, no? Is that, is that? Yeah. 
Is that correct? Yeah. Now, I kind of know the answer to this, but for, I guess, the audience and everybody watching, what's the difference between that and a beat reporter? So a beat reporter is uh, covering one team for the entire season. So if you're the Dodgers beat reporter during a normal season, you're covering 162 games. You're just the Dodgers beat reporter. That's the only team you cover. And with the idea being, like, no one's going to know more about the team than you. You're at all the games. You're at all the press conferences. You're at spring training, whatnot. Um, the columnist is sort of like a generalist. Like, I would go to a Lakers game one day and then a Dodgers game the next and a Rams game then a Kings game and so I know a little bit about everything but I I, I, I don't and shouldn't know as much as the beat reporter who's on the beat when you know 162 games per year so I had the beat I was on the Clippers beat for a few years um you know the problem with the beat you know and the reason that I was happy to move on from that is just like like after a while it, it's, it's like you cover like the same thing and with the Clippers it was like basically the same team same players doing the same that, thing that was their right? lob city right yeah yeah so like they were very good so i knew that they would win 50 plus games a year and i also knew that they would not get past the second round unfortunately so <laughs> and then it just got tough to cover that year after year so i think after year four i i said can i do something else and they moved me to cover a few other things okay so nice. now, now you've seen your fair share of sporting events You've been to yeah. a fair share of sporting events. You've also been to the White House, I've heard. That was cool. And that was uh, <laughs> for Persian New Year. So that was like, yeah. cool. It wasn't, how did, uh, um, how so did the Michelle, opportunity come up? Yeah. So Michelle and Barack Obama did something nice for Norwood. I'm trying to remember. Casual how, name dropping. Yeah. <laughs> so my good friends, Barack and Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but it was great. Like, I still have the pictures. I mean, the spread was fantastic. They had. You know, they had like all the great food and uh, um, oh, they had they, they, they had everything. And uh, Maz Dobrani was there. They had a few other, uh, you know, Persian kind of comedians and like mm -hmm. actors. And so it was a cool I, I The fact that I got invited was really surreal because I didn't know, like, was this like a real invitation? And then I called a friend um, who would know and they're like, yeah, no, this is like a legit thing. Like, you know, you should, you should, you should definitely find a way to come to the White House. So that was fun. <laughs> like that, that, by the bodyguard. The wall, that is probably. beyond cool. It is. Yeah. That, yeah. That's oh, a yeah. goal right there. I don't know. I think that's <laughs> amazing. So, so be, I, I guess, so you, you just, the physical invite was a surprise to get, no? Or you, did you kind of know before that you were going to get? No, it was invite? a surprise. No, it was a surprise. I didn't, you know, it was like Michelle Obama request the pleasure of your company or whatever it was. And I'm like, all right, this doesn't sound right. Like, it, I, I mean, I don't know why we get this invitation. And then I checked on it. Um, yeah, no, it was. I feel like that's so Persian to instantly like doubt if it's real or not. Oh, yeah. And like trying yeah, to figure exactly. out what's oh, going yeah. on. For sure. <laughs> Ask around. Yeah. That's and then and then it became the next Persian thing is to figure out if you didn't get invited, why did you not get invited? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Dissect mm -hmm. the whole situation. Exactly. What right? do you mean? I have 10 car dealerships in Southern <laughs> California. I didn't get yeah. invited. <laughs> exactly so i think there was like a yin and yang there were so many people who were very happy for me but there was a few other people who were like well, why did you get invited and i didn't get invited exactly it's like you call one person to see if it's real and all of la knows that you're going and is trying to figure out why they weren't going that's exactly. i feel like there's plenty of journalists that are covering iranian things right yeah and you know we have all the iranian tv channels and that that's like a thing of its own but you're a very rare breed of an Iranian covering major, you know, yeah, major American, relatively sports. speaking for sports, major things. Yeah. Well, I think the unique thing there and when I began to do this job and why it's so, um, I'm so humble that I got to the position that I did in my career is that 
there just wasn't a lot of Persian sports journalists. And I'm really glad that through whether it's me or some other people and the fact that I get to teach a class at USC, that there are future Persian sports reporters. Because, I mean, we, as we all know, like there's so many passionate Persian sports fans. But I think for whatever reason, obviously, you know, you're told to be a doctor or a lawyer, or you follow the family business or you do something else. It's like you don't feel that that could be a proper career path or you don't think that that's a path that you can um, have. And so... Um, it's, re it's really cool if someone sees me on TV or I get like an email from someone saying, oh, like, you know, thank you for showing that this can be done, which no. is, is surreal. And I'm always happy when that happens. Because that's, kind of, that's kind of what our platform is. We want to yeah. see Iran American, Iranian Americans from all different types of career paths. And yeah, we could go get a list of doctors and lawyers and interview them, but we want the more interesting uh, stories so that the everybody feels like they can take their own path. The exactly. unquote-unquote unconventional route, so to speak, in our yeah. culture that, you know, only the... And show that you can be successful in them. Exactly. The unicorns of our culture. You guys are like the brave <laughs> ones taking the risks, paving the way for everyone. <laughs> so that's really something to be proud of. So, Arash, you've had a lustrous career. And, you know, amid this pandemic being the worst year, you know, of our lives, there's something that happened early, you know, early in the year that totally shocked the world, the sporting world. You know, we lost the legend Kobe Bryant. And so I read in your LA's article that you decided actually to drive four hours for an in-person interview versus over the phone for the same amount of time of just 20 minutes. So yeah. I just want to know, like, how, how was that experience with him sitting down one-on-one -on -one and what kind of impression did he leave on you to carry on for your life? It was amazing because I know you guys want to touch on this later. But so when I started like my weight loss journey, like after like a month in, Kobe was at the first, the first time he saw LeBron um, at a game. This was like October 25th. So I started my journey September 25th and this was 2018. And then um, so at that point, you know, just because like so much weight comes off at the beginning of, you know, like at that point it was 329 pounds and then I had lost 30 pounds. Anyway, so like Kobe is walking off the court, walking through the hallway. I didn't want to bother him and he had security around him, but he sees me at the corner of his eye and he's like, oh my God, like Arash, you look amazing. What, what, what have you done? And I told him, yeah, listen, I decided like to lose weight. Here's what I'm doing. And so, I mean, he spent like five minutes actually like interested in what I'm doing and keep at it. So I got connected with him before the beginning of this upcoming season, which now seems like forever ago. This was like the end of October. That, that then, was 10 years ago. It seems like it, really. Yeah. And then, so this is this this had been one year since he last saw me, and during that time, like I had lost like over like a hundred pounds. And so when he said we could do it over the phone or in person, I was like, I want to do it in person just so he can kind of see me, just like look look at this kind of like look at this transformation. Yeah. And I'm so glad I did because at that point he's retired, and I don't know when I'm going to see him again, just because like I'm not going to see him at a game usually and whatnot. And so to be able to get that time with him and get to talk about Gianna, because a part of the story was about what he's doing post-retirement, and he was so involved in coaching her. So not right. only did I get to sit down with him for like a half hour, like in his office, and it was just, but then to talk to him about Gianna, and so the day you're talking about, January 26th, I remember it because I was flying to Miami for the Super Bowl, actually, and the time, when we took off, obviously everything's fine. And it was one of those rare flights where I just passed out because it was like in the morning. And so I, I didn't get Wi-Fi. I just like turned off the phone and I went to sleep. And then as soon as I turned it on, I mean, the phone blew up and I didn't what, see What time real. did you land in Miami? It was shortly after the death had been confirmed because it, cause the, 
I was just getting a flood of texts, like, is this real? And by the yeah. time, like, the text had loaded, it was like, I can't believe, like, it happened. So, like, yeah. I never was a part of the, can this be true? Like, it, at, at that point, it had been confirmed. And I so think, it was just, yeah. I couldn't believe it. I think the first yeah. alert came out on uh, Bleacher, um, I want to say around 1 p.m. out in Miami. Yeah. I was uh, playing basketball here, and everybody just stopped playing. Yeah. It was... I think it it's was, one of those things that you remember exactly where you were and what you were doing at that time you know it's one of those moments yeah i called the office and i was like i mean i i, I it was weird because like i love miami and i love covering the super bowl but i was like do i even stay here like what's the point of covering the super bowl and they were like no stay there like you know and i'm glad i did because obviously we had covered what was happening in los angeles so well but i would just it didn't feel right to be in miami because like los angeles is my home and to right. see them suffering the way they did and when i use that word like i, I don't use it lightly because i i don't know if you could have taken anyone from this community that meant as much as he did because it was just you know because if you if, like anyone else who would be in his class is like we don't want to lose them but the, the, they were not as young as he was you know if, i mean if we were to right. lose like vin scully or kareem abdul jabbar or magic johnson or i mean like they've lived good lives you know for kobe right. like at the big it just he was just starting the second phase of his life yeah. and you know so it's just heartbreaking he was going to do so many great things for, for women's sports, especially. Yeah. Um, so it's just, it, for lack of a better word, it just sucks. Yeah, yeah. 100%. So, all right, so we'll get into, um, I want to ask you about how you dealt with your cancer, because it's personally something that I've dealt with also. Not okay. me personally, but so you've battled cancer twice in your lifetime and have successfully beat it both times. Kudos to you. Congrats, my friend. Thank you. Um, that is an incredible battle to endure and go through. Um, actually, my mom battled cancer and she unfortunately lost the fight. But uh, I was there to, and experienced it firsthand. And, and I know what it's like to be a, a family member of someone battling cancer. And I, along with others, you know, have gone through having a family member with cancer, have our own struggles and how our experience affected us after the fact. But I was wondering if you could speak on how it affected you personally and like, what did you take from it that carries over to your life now? Yeah, you know, so the, both times it happened to me, I mean, I was so young, you know, the first time I was diagnosed, I was 21 and the second time wow. was 25. So both instances, I was very young and it was just weird going through that, you know, so it was non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, you know, first time they treated it with uh, chemo. Um, and then the second time it was like a chemo and then a stem cell transplant, which keeps you in the hospital for about a month. And so, you know, it just makes you realize at that young of an age, which you really shouldn't be thinking about it at 21 and 25, but obviously you, you kind of have to. And certainly when you get it the second time is how fragile life is and that, you know, it, it, it's not promised that you're going to live to be whatever, 40, 50, 60, or 100. And so um, I've really had an appreciation for life and I've learned to kind of put things into perspective. I know it's been extremely difficult this year, but it's like, as long as I'm, I wake up healthy, I really just appreciate life a lot more. And I know that sometimes that can sound cliche, but like when you go through something like that and tomorrow is, or at least next month or next week is not promised, like you appreciate it a lot more. You just don't, you kind of learn not to stress the things that are smaller that you can't control. But it, I, I, it did allow me at a young age, certainly when I turned 25, because um, when I got it the second time, it was almost like a 50-50. And to be honest, like the doctor told me like years later, they were like, it was probably not 50-50. It was probably like a lot less than that. But I mean, I was, you learn to appreciate life when, it's, when you're in that position, because at that point, you're just hoping the treatment works. It's not something where with like weight loss, I'm like, it's a, 
it's it's like up to me to lose the weight like it's up to me to to like not eat as much and to get on the treadmill like like i can control that as unfortunately as it is like with cancer it's like i really just have to hope this this treatment works and sometimes it doesn't it's not in your hands yeah 100 yeah i would say i'd assume mindset in that situation is so important because a lot of people think it's all physical and it i'm sure it is your body's literally battling this but at the same time if you're sitting there dwelling on it and being so negative thinking oh my god what's going to happen if this treatment doesn't work or what's going to happen if that treatment doesn't work then my life is over and this is over but i feel like positive mindset is so important for that i mean i personally also had a family member who had a very short and tough battle with stage four cancer um and unfortunately she just had a really negative bad mindset and no matter what we all told her it was just who she was and i'm not saying that's a factor of you know why she passed because it was aggressive in itself but i think what your message is really important to just keep hoping and keep praying every time something happens and appreciate even as bad as that moment is appreciate every moment of life you know to to that point so when i got it the second time around i said okay so how long am i going to be in here for and so it was like like august first i checked in and like august 30th i I checked oh that that was like the plan and i made a list of things like i wanted to do you know i made a list of like i'm gonna go to the cowboys 49ers game and actually bought tickets to the game because i I was gonna go to that game i actually did get to go to that game and so to your point it's like to make that like okay i'm only gonna be here for this amount of time and once i get out like i'm gonna do this that and the other and like you just have to know manifest like everything's gonna be okay yeah it's a good point well we're glad to have you here thank you (laughs) all right so going from that we're gonna go into another health aspect of your weight loss journey so i read but i want you to tell our listeners what was the aha moment again that sparked you to just go for it and start this journey What, what was that moment like yeah, so I was flying back from Mexico. It was almost two years ago, um, and uh, for the you know, I knew I was big, but for the first time, the seatbelt couldn't fit, and um, and no, so. It was one of those things where I was like, I really tried to get it to fit, but it didn't fit. And then I was like, I don't want to ask for an extender because I've never asked for that before. So I put a blanket over my lap just to be like, okay, hopefully the flight attendant won't stop me because I just don't want to like ask for the extender. But this was a very, um, you know, she definitely wanted to make sure like everyone had a, a, their seatbelt on. So she made sure like I was awake because I pretended like I was sleeping and she made sure. Okay. So she, when she, she saw the pain look in my face, I, I think she, she had been in that position before. I think, you know, a flight attendant's flown hundreds of times and so she had one in her pocket and she handed it to me and I'm like wow okay so like I'm at this point and it's like to me like I should have waited until that moment it just happened because you know when you're 329 pounds at that point I could not shop at a normal clothing store so that should have been a moment there were a few times where I went out to a bar and I couldn't fit in the seat like that should have been a moment so why that was the moment for me I don't know exactly but I knew like I had to like make a change. And so, but the big, uh, the big thing for me was uh, make my, making myself publicly accountable. So like every day I post, you know, so today's like 530, I don't even know what it's 532, 534. So it's not like I do it every single day. Cause that's not exactly two years, but like on most days, you know? And so at this point, it's sort of like a lifestyle thing. So yeah. Right. I, I remember when you started, you, you would consistently post your, even when you were on the road, 
you know, you would hit the hotel gym and, and do your, yeah. you know, what, what I think it was like the, like some, it was some hashtags that walk with Arash. I think, I think that's what it was. I forgot. Cause I wanted to do a hashtag, but then I was like, this is dumb. So like I, I stopped that pretty <laughs> early on. Like, I forgot what I, what I get fit with, you know, I, I, I just wanted to get creative with it. But then I was like, this is going to be ridiculous. Constantly referring to myself in the third person. So I'm not going to do that. <laughs> hey, you're branding <laughs> yourself. That's like know, a thing right? in 2020. <laughs> I know. Right. Hey, man, it's, it's all good because obviously the results have uh, spoken for themselves. Exactly. Yeah, you look great. But when you did, when you do, did and still do post on Instagram, like at the beginning, did you get any nasty comments or people DMing you things? And, and if you did, how did you deal with that? Right? Because people can be very critical on social media. You know what? Thankfully, not because... I just think if someone's going to lose weight, like it's hard to knock them for that. I mean, I'm sure there were a few people, but I don't even remember because it was, and I really mean it. And it was so humbling, but like, it was like, like overwhelmingly positive. And so if there were a few people who were like, you're not going to lose any weight, you know, and, but I, you know, like, yeah, I didn't really pay, you know, you know exactly. Right. So, um, I think there, there have been people on Twitter who's like, okay, like we get it. Like you're trying to lose weight. Like, cause I, I maybe I posted about it too much, but it's okay. No, so no, you, keep posting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's so motivating for yeah. Yeah, inspiring everyone out there. Exactly. You um, disciplined yourself with your workouts, but did you follow like a certain, I know even if it might be the best for you, some people do like keto or Sure. certain diets or did you just kind of listen to your body and do everything in like moderation so at the beginning i did calorie count so i, I tried to stay under 1600 calories like that was like my main thing and i didn't follow keto and then i started to do keto and then i, I worked in whole 30 like a couple times during the two years uh, so just a few things um keto worked pretty well for me uh but you know I think calorie count's always been like my main thing that like I've really stuck with. As, as long as I can stay under 1600, um, that's the big thing. What would you do when you would travel? <laughs> because like, that was a hard temptation thing, yeah. is so <laughs> terrible. I mean, I'll walk in the grocery store and see a pizza and I'm like, oh my God, I need it. And no, no, get focused. So what would you do like Dude, in hotels how, how do you late not night? go to the Vegas buffet? That, exactly. <laughs> so ours, as you know, like, you know, prior to this weight loss journey, I would not miss out on the best meals in every city. You know, Chicago, it's deep yep. dish. And, you know, New York, it's obviously like they get great Italian and great pizzas and whatever hot dogs. So listen, I lived a very good foodie life prior to this weight loss journey. So there's not a, a, a meal in this country that I have not tried and have not enjoyed. And on occasion, I will indulge. But I think at this point now, I can enjoy a glass of, you know, red wine, a nice steak, vegetables, whatever. And like, I don't think I'm going to miss out on too much. But there's not, you know, like every now and again, I, I, I want a slice of pizza or pasta, whatever. But I just portion size is big and making sure that that one meal doesn't turn into like a whole thing you know a whole like a week or month week exactly yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah oh yeah is there a, oh, is there a certain weight goal that you're still trying to achieve or do you feel you're at a good point no, so, you know, when things get back to normal, like what I had planned to do prior to the pandemic was like to transition into like more like weights. Like I, I, I'm not going to get a six pack, but like to build more, more of a physique than I have. So like my, my goal, I hit it was to, to get under 200, 200, which, so going back to cancer, like I checked into the hospital and I was, um, 
I forgot. I think I was like 199 or 198. I, mean, I was pretty close to 200. During my time in the hospital, I got to like over 200. And this was like, like August of 2005. And I didn't get back below 200 until I, uh, you know, last year. Uh, I'm trying to remember like the date that that happened. But yeah, I was so sorry, September of last year. So that was a big moment for me. And I was like, man, all this time, like it was 14 years. Like I'd waited to get to, to that moment where I was finally below 200. So like that was a goal. And now like the next goal, um, you know, when I say plateaued, like this was the weight that I was okay with, but I, I like to get like under that and like work on some weights now. Toning it up a bit. Toning it up. That's right. That's it, go. man. So, so, yeah. so when you got to 200 again, were you kind of like regretting certain meals that, um, I'm fat myself. So there's certain, <laughs> like, why the hell did I eat that? You know, you've had that a thousand times. Like why in the world did you touch that again? Wait, so is this like after I had lost the weight? Or after you got I... to that, did you like have like a reminiscing moment of like all no, the- No, no, no. Hey, there's not a meal that I regret. I mean, obviously I regret that I got yeah. to 329. Right, overall, but I yeah. Mean, <laughs> I'm trying to think. I mean, listen, I, we all, if we ever, you know, unfortunately, if you eat out as much as I did around the country, like every now and again, like you might get food poisoning and you just never know when that day is going to come. So that, those are meals that I regret. <laughs> but no, for the most part, I mean, I was uh, happy with all the meals I had. Now, obviously, they were not healthy. They got me to a point that I, I didn't like. But um, yeah, you know, the only thing that I regret timing wise was I got a sandwich named after me and I made it so unhealthy that I can't even eat my own sandwich. So that's, that's <laughs> not good. That's great. Can you tell us what's in this sandwich? No, right. That looks like an amazing sandwich, but it is chicken. So at the um, hikes, which has 55 locations, I don't know if there's one in Florida, but it's fried chicken, wasabi mayo, cheddar cheese, purple slaw on Dutch, wow. Dutch crunch roll. It's like a really crunchy oh bread. Um, it's delicious, but it is way too Eats much. Right now. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. We're on I'm our way. I'm literally fine the next week. Yelping it as we yeah. in Georgia and drive there. Like, I'm there a you big, go. <laughs> big booty. So <laughs> I tried to change my lifestyle like you a few months ago. Just yeah. for the health aspect of it, and I'll tell you, it is so hard. I've done it and it given is. up like a hundred times. <laughs> if I saw that fried chicken, I would just devour it. really good. <laughs> I'm, I'm, on, I'm on day three of getting back to the gym and eating healthy. There you go. It's hard. So we're, we're getting back to a little wine. Taste that but... fried chicken from your head, Art. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so I have a question. Going back to sports a little bit, um, tell me about the experience the first time you went to a Super Bowl. And what Super Bowl was it? So it was in Miami. It was Colts Bears. It was Peyton Manning's first Super Bowl. Like the Bears oh, returned the first it kickoff. Rained. Yeah, it rained, which was crazy. Um, but it was the best halftime show because it was Prince singing "Purple Rain" while yeah, it was, it was, yeah, rain. It was So Prince, that was pretty cool. Right. Um, so like the Bears returned the first kickoff. I think that's the first time it's happened. Like first like opening kickoff for a touchdown. I'm like, oh shoot! Yep. Like Chicago might have a chance. But then Peyton Manning and the Colts won. That was fun because the entire week was perfect weather. Now it rained on Super Bowl Sunday, but South Beach is my favorite Super Bowl city just because I love South Beach, but then just like the, the parties that they have there. Um, <laughs> so I was just there like, you know, th this past uh, January as well. But that, for, so that was my first one. So, so um, are you a believer for NBA teams, at least about the South Beach flu? Do you know about where, that? Yeah, where like, if you are playing the heat, you're probably going to go out the night before and get a struggle. Yeah, the, or... yeah, yeah. Home record on a Sunday. Well, they had, they had when, that in when Vegas the, when the, as well. The, Say that again? They had that in Las Vegas as well, which is why the um, hockey team was so good at home. Like, you know, yeah. teams are flying in. 
You could go out 24-7. They try to put these teams up like a few, you know, miles away from the strip. But, I mean, there's there's cabs. They're going to find their way there. Exactly. They're They're athletes. They'll just run there. Yeah, exactly. The the, the Heat's home record on a Sunday night where the visiting team was off the day before is ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Unbeaten. So, uh, so it was in Miami 05 versus the Bears, and, you, and you've gone to various Super Bowls since then, right? Yeah, I'm trying to think. Uh, you know, I was lucky. Uh, I've gone to the last three or four, and so like I was at the um, when the when the Patriots came back from what was it, 28 to three Falcons or 20, game? 24? Yeah, I guess yeah. the Falcons in Houston. Uh, and have you been to one that, in New Orleans? I haven't. I've been to a college football national championship game in New Orleans. I've been to like other events in New Orleans, but never to. So I guess there's like this huge competition of people say there's, there's like a 50, 50 split almost on social media of like, what's the better Super Bowl experience yeah. New Orleans or Miami? Well, so what makes uh, New Orleans so great? It's so centrally located. So if you mm-hmm. land in New Orleans and you're staying in the heart of New Orleans, like you will never have to, get a taxi for the most part you know right. so um yeah if you, if you stay in south yeah. beach in miami you got a 40 minute trek to the stadium exactly so that's that's the only problem now but i but, still like love the beach so but how nice was that redesign oh it's amazing it's so Great, fantastic right? it looks i have fantastic. season tickets for the hurricane so i so i've i go all the time um and that, that place is, is great now it was a dump before but now it's it yeah was and, I'm, and i'm glad that in a city like miami and south beach i mean those cities should always have these big events so whatever you had to do to make sure that the stadium was up to par like i'm glad you did it because i I know like as a reporter those are always cities that you want to go to by the way let me ask you a question like is there like anytime someone wanted a drink that you guys didn't want to drink like has there been like a request for a drink like 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 i think wine hopefully is universally like okay so so we had not that we didn't want to drink it it was more of we're skeptical. Uh, it, okay, so so Bita Melanian was on um, last week. It was it was the last episode, ago. right? Two weeks ago. Yeah. 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 Two weeks ago, and she had this. What was it? The uh, it was a turmeric ginger tea. Turmeric ginger lemon tea. Yeah. Sounded great. I just had trouble making it because it yeah. wasn't like a tea bag that came that way. You literally had to go get the ginger and the turmeric and. We don't know. I don't love fresh. ginger, but it was good. I'll give it that. I well, we'll. Know, skeptical about the ginger but we'll say rhm and rsj rhm we don't know how good you are with cooking but rsj makes a mean alfredo but don't get oh. it something more complicated than a tea bag and it'll just like combust it'll be I, I will like make you the most complicated meal but don't ask me to make tea or exactly. don't and don't ask me to make rice especially taddy don't yeah. forget the skirts don't forget the skirt steak oh yeah the skirt steak you guys like that one huh yeah. So Arash, I I want to do like a little quick uh, sports yeah. speed round with you, just right. uh, just a quick. Okay. So, what is your favorite LA franchise? The Lakers. Okay. Who's your favorite LA player ever and currently? I kind of have to say Kobe. Like if you had asked me last year, I would have said Magic, but just what Kobe has meant. Uh, currently, maybe Clayton Kershaw. Like I'm really hoping he can find a way to win a World Series. You it's know, not Dion Waiters. I do like Dion Waiters, but no. Try <laughs> <laughs> to get that Irish to look. Okay, up. I have a question. Who's which LeBron is better, LA LeBron or Miami LeBron? Well, listen, my, my, the Heat LeBron was his peak physical condition, so I would hope that Miami LeBron is like the best LeBron, just because what he's doing right now at his age is incredible. It's insane. So it's yeah. It's so, insane. I mean, just when you're talking about 
scientifically and physically and st- statistically, it should be Miami LeBron. In the setting, you know? I mean... I, I will say you'll probably agree with me. Like, that peak LeBron, you guys got to four finals, should have won more than two. But <laughs> uh, We, we should have won that Dallas one. I thought you said when the Spurs won. Like, you guys had all, like, left the arena. No, we were gassed at that point, man. We were right. gassed. I know. I know. Arto's a Mavericks fan for some reason. I, don't, I still don't understand. <laughs> Look at him. I'm waving it up, too. Oh, but, uh, so wait. Do you, do you guys think you can get on, like, a run here? Like, do you, do you, do you think you can beat the Lakers or the Clippers out of the um, West? They definitely look really good. Okay, yeah. here, here's my thing. I, I don't trust Miami against Boston. Yeah. I trust them against Toronto, but then again, championship pedigree. So, yeah. what route do you really want to go? Hell of a run, though, so far, man. That was a fun. Hey, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I've been hey, I've been watching the Heat since uh, Timmy and Zoe, so nice. I'm I'm all in. So, Arash, let, let's ask you what what is your predictions for who's going to win the NBA Finals? Um, Homer pick. I'm watching I'm watching the Lakers game, and I want it to be the Lakers, but I, I will say, as someone who's Covered the Clippers extensively. I would love it for that franchise just because. Just good. To I will get tell one. you. I mean, I wrote. So <laughs> I was in that game six. I think they're playing Houston, and it's in Los Angeles. They're up twenty points in like the third mm-hmm. quarter, and I yep. basically wrote. Weren't they up three two in that series? Three two. It was three one. I think. No, it was three one. Houston wins, and then it goes back to Los Angeles game six, and they were up like twenty points in the third quarter. They blew it. And I, and I basically was done with like my column, how like this was like a great moment in Clippers history. They're going to the conference finals for the first time. This team will get to the conference finals. I don't know if they're going to beat the Lakers. They could. I do think the champion will come from Los Angeles, and we're going to have a virtual parade here somehow, some way. <laughs> I, think I think that'll definitely turn into non-virtual. I mean, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> real quick. We'll have a second <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Wear your masks, people. Like, yeah, well, I guess exactly. it's kind of cool to be in like a, such a, a sports town where basketball is so big. I mean, basketball is big here. I still think um, I, I, I still think football is bigger here, even though I personally yeah. love basketball more. But you guys are a great baseball city, too. And well, here's what I don't get about Miami. It's like you guys are not a great baseball city, but, like, <laughs> out of the blue, two years, you guys have won, like, the World Series. The that Dodgers was purchased. Since that was paid for. Well, I don't, I that was like paid for. The World Series. <laughs> Except for the 97 one was paid for. The yeah, 03 one was just something was in the water there. Okay. It was the flu. Okay, so, so it's just a political mess with this Marlins team. <laughs> yeah. The way they got the stadium, the way just everything happened, um, nobody likes them. They're literally yeah. – have you, have you been to the stadium? No, the but I wanted to see it. Did, did they get that big thing in the outfield? Is that, is that gone there or is that still That's there? gone. So, so, so Jeter's people – but because it was designated a landmark by the previous owner, yeah. they couldn't destroy it. <laughs> what did they so, do? So I think they moved it outside of the stadium. That's nice. So you shouldn't destroy it. It's a piece of art. Like, it should not be inside the stadium. But it's, it shouldn't. Yeah. It, should, it should have never been made. But, but whatever. That stadium is literally in, in the heart of Little Havana, where if you go to that stadium, you have the four parking garages, but most people park in people's driveways. Oh, wow. No way. So, so there's people who own the houses or rent the houses. They'll charge you $20 for parking right. in their driveway. So it's, it's an experience. Um, but... Miami. So I know Mata had a fast round. We're going to do our actual quick line of questions. All right. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> okay. UFC or FA Cup? Mm. UFC. 
Okay. Is that, is that what, okay. I like the FA Cup because um, Arsenal wins, even though I, wa- I, I want them to win the Premier League. I want them to win the Champions League. The only thing we win is like the FA, FA Cup or like Cup, the, yeah. the, the Community Shield or whatever. Whatever like participation trophies are out there, I will <laughs> gladly accept. But yeah. Brandy or Montana? Wait, the quarterback? Yeah, Brady or Montana. Okay, I'm going to have to go with Tom Brady. And I only say this because I've been lucky enough to see him win three of his Super Bowls. Um, I did grow up on Joe Montana, but I'm going to have to go with Tom Brady. Going into that, Super Bowl or NBA Finals game? Uh, NBA Finals. Well, if the Super Bowl or Finals game seven? Game seven, yeah. I mean, if you were to say one of my most favorite moments, it's the Lakers-Celtics game seven, 2010. um, The Metal World Peace game. That's yeah. right. Acknowledge me, people. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite press conference of all time. LeBron or Jordan? Mm. <laughs> I'll have to go Jordan. But listen, if LeBron brings a championship to Los Angeles, uh, that, that the dancer will change. And Good I will say LeBron. Exactly. <laughs> the city, I mean, I'm hearing you travel a lot, but the city you want to travel to most. Worldwide? Yeah. Yes. Um... I'm gonna go with Paris. I really do like Paris. I like wine as we're as we're talking with some wine. Um, Italy's really good too, but just like the food and the drink and the atmosphere. I what about a place Paris. you haven't been yet? Have you been to Paris? Yeah. Or? I have been to Paris. Yeah, oh, where I haven't been, um, um, Greece, somewhere in Greece, like by the water. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. And lastly, the favorite part of your day. Favorite part of my day. I do like waking up early. I'm a morning person. I don't know why. So having that first cup of coffee and breakfast and I try to be productive in some way, shape or form. Uh, so the favorite part of my day is like the beginning of the day. Um, but then obviously on the weekend, you know, that could change. I could go out with <laughs> friends and stuff. But yeah. yeah. So I'm going to ask you some Persian food questions now. Okay. Potato tadig or regular tadig? Regular tadig, although potato tadig is amazing, but I think regular tadig on the regular is just, you know, if it's done well, yeah. So, gorma sabzi or karafs? Gorma sabzi. I think it's oh, close. We've, we've had a streak of karafs, I yeah, think, right? Yeah, actually, oh, there we yeah. go. I broke the streak. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Sangak or barbari? Sangak. Whoa. That is the best. If you go to a restaurant that does it well, that is next level. Okay, nice, yeah. Kubide or Barg? So I have grown up. As a child, it was Kubide, Barg. Although, if you could do the Sultani, where you're just getting like the best of both worlds. Hey, man, that's, that's always ideal. Age, right, exactly. That's always <laughs> ideal. We don't, get the, we don't get the privilege of living in L.A. We don't. I, <laughs> I was just going to say, you know, where's, pick and choose. <laughs> yeah, where's then, your favorite, uh, where do you get your favorite Persian food from in L.A. County? Rafi's. I love oh, Rafi's yes. in Glendale. Yeah. Good. And I like how you said Los Angeles County because if you go to like Irvine and um, Orange County, there's some other really good locations as well. I mean, I like Rafi's. Rafi's was far as hell. It took like two hours to get. I know. I'd say that's not even LA County at that point. I know. Yeah, their food's but really good. It's very good. So, Arash, before we, uh, a couple things before we wrap, um, what, what would you say to um, prospective journalists? who are looking to break into this career, whether they're Iranian or not Iranian, what would you say to those people? Well, you know what, do this if this is your passion, do this if this is what you love. I mean, the, the beauty of covering sports as a career is that, I mean, it's, when I say it's not work, I mean, this is stuff that I would be doing regardless, right? I mean, I, I, I would be watching the game. So to have the privilege of like writing about the game, I never lost sight of how 
cool that was. And so do it, pursue it if you love to do it because you're never going to have to work a day in your life. You know I mean? So like follow your passion. And if, if your passion is sports and then find out what is your passion within sports, maybe it's working in marketing, maybe it's in PR, maybe it's in journalism, but I've been so lucky in my career that I've been able to do what I love to do. I mean, again, like I, I talked to you guys, like I, I, I basically knew freshman year of high school what I wanted to do and what a privilege that that is because like every decision like I made was based on that's my North Star. I want to be a sports journalist. So, so to get to do that and at the places that I dreamed of doing that, it's still surreal. So um, yeah, the first time you walk into yeah. the Lakers locker room to do an interview, you were just probably beside yourself. No, it was crazy. Yeah. Definitely looking up. Was that the Kobe and Shaq years the first time you went in? Yeah, my first year, first year that I was credentialed the entire season was the Kobe, Shaq, Carl Malone, Gary Payton year, which, which, which people want to crap on, which is fine, but they got to the NBA Finals. They were injured. I, Malone didn't, I don't think Malone played exactly. in the Finals. No, and then so if, if, I still think Detroit would have beaten them. I hate to say that, but that was the first time I covered the Finals, and I was so happy that I was, that I was covering that team. It was a... Uh, like it was surreal. That's like not only do I get to cover the Lakers, but the like legendary the players. Yeah, like forget Hall of Famers, just legendary yeah. players. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, yeah. That that was and and Detroit, the last starless team to win a championship. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. Uh, so you had. Um, so I have. For us now, we have our news challenge every week. Um, what do you have for us? So my, you know, I would never challenge you to do something that I wouldn't do myself. So I will challenge you to do 60 minutes of cardio per day, which is what I normally do. Again, there's 24 hours in a day. You could take one hour to take care of yourself. And that cardio, it doesn't have to be on a treadmill or like elliptical or a Peloton. You can go for a walk, you can go for a run. 60 minutes of cardio per day. You could do it. Easy Perfect. enough, right guys? Got it. Marta, this is for you. You started day three. There you go. You 1,600 calories in 60 days. Here I come. That is the other big thing. Yeah. If you combine the two, the weight will come off, I promise you. <laughs> okay. We'll do it. Arash, I am so indebted to you for coming on and, <laughs> and taking time out of your busy schedule to, to join our foolishness. But I think your story, all aspects of it, is a wonderful story for all, all for humanity and for especially Iranian Americans yeah. who are just trying to make a name for themselves. With amazing names, I might add. <laughs> That's right. It's a great uh, name. <laughs> a role uh, model so, for in, in all different fields and not just oh, sports or that. journalism. I think, um, I think next time you post a weight loss journey goal, you should do the Kamangir pose. Oh, I like that. Yes. <laughs> okay. There we go. You should do it. I was, yeah, that is my next step. <laughs> exactly. That's a good okay. one. I think, I think you should do that. Um, <laughs> but again, Arash, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining. We appreciate you. Um, we're going to keep following your journey and, and we're going to be hold, joining it for the and, next, and we're going to hold each other right. accountable to join. The I team. like that. Nice. Yes. Right. Well, thank you so much for having me too. Thank you. I really thank appreciate you, man. it. Enjoy these playoffs and uh, hopefully, okay. How about this heat Lakers finals? You and I make a friendly wager. I would love that. Let's for sure. Okay, do we'll that. be in, in touch. On it. <laughs> That's right. Over some kebab. There we go. Virtually. There you go. <laughs> Thank, you so Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much, Thank you. Have a great one.